Hello and welcome to the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of Prop Swap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. For some of you, this is the first time experiencing the Prop Swap Podcast. And to you, we say welcome. Uh, for others, this is a welcome back after a few year break. We promised we were not on vacation uh, for the last three years, uh, just taking a little break from from the podcast. Uh, but we are so happy to have you back here. Um, and uh, we, we thank you uh, once again for, for, for joining in. Um, the goal of this podcast is to view the world of sports through the lens of, of how to use the PropSwap marketplace. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, PropSwap uh, is where you can list for sale your sports bets. Uh, and as a buyer, you can log on to the PropSwap website or app and find uh, some of the best deals in the country because you're buying directly from, from other bettors like yourself. So um, this podcast will, will you know, stay away from the types of predictions and recaps that you may be used to. And we will focus in on, on the world of betting, but from how to best use the PropSwap marketplace. Uh, but before we get into that, I thought we could uh, take a second to introduce ourselves. Um, we have Luke Pergandy, uh, one of the co-founders. And so, Luke, I thought maybe you could uh, give a little background about yourself and, uh, and your role with, uh, with the company. Sure. Uh, well, we uh, started this seven years ago now. It's going to be our seventh football season. Uh, time flies. But, uh, of course, we started the company in Las Vegas when... Uh, back in 2015, you always say you could bet on sports legally was Nevada. So started the company there, uh, I went to university of Arizona and we can certainly talk more about, uh, yours and my time spent there and how we met later on in a future episode, um, born and raised in Chicago, university of Arizona for college, worked at a company called Bloomberg in, uh, customer support, and then eventually hedge fund sales living in San Francisco and, um, quit that and started PropSwap with you in the summer of 2015. And, uh, and how'd your mom feel about uh, you quitting your job in, uh, in 2015? Um, well, I think at the time I was probably making 130,000 as a 25 year old kid who didn't go to an Ivy league and was surrounded by Stanford and, you know, USC and Harvard kids. So she was a little surprised. She still is surprised. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, I walked her off the ledge of, hey, this sports betting thing is real. There's a lot of people doing it. It's, you know, at the time we didn't know we could legalize, but we knew everyone from Chicago and Boston and New York and California were going to Vegas because they loved to bet on sports legally. So we thought there could be an interesting business behind it. And um, you know, everyone thinks we're the smartest guys in the room for starting this company um, before it got legalized. We didn't know that. We didn't know in 2013 when we started kicking this around that sports betting would eventually get legalized effectively in 2018. People thought sports betting was going to get legalized in 1994. So this was not, this had been rumored for a very long time. We didn't know at the time this would uh, eventually get legalized, but um, it takes a little bit of luck sometimes in life. And we obviously, among with many, many, many other people, got lucky with the legalization. Um, and fast forward today, we're we're in you know twenty plus states and um, you know scaling the business. Yeah, and, and I think it's worth noting. You know, what, what was what would you say was the vibe of of sports betting 
in the country and, and just the general public in, in 2015? Because it is very different than it is today. Um, you know, what, what would you say is was the kind of the from the outsider looking in view of, of, of legalized sports betting? Yeah, sketchy, underground, associated with the mob. And like, in fairness, many, many mob uh families are associated with sports betting, but they're also associated with far worse activity. Um, but now, you know, you have, you have FTX looking to get into it. And of course, DraftKings and FanDuel and MGM, you know, a global casino empire really pushing the, the sports betting online product. So it's, it's just, it became mainstream. We knew this would happen. It, 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 it basically became London, you know, basically became the UK where it's on every commercial. It's on every Jersey patch. And it's just become a part of the, the game. I think one of my favorite quotes ever by uh, some exact, I think it was at the Knicks, was like, look, like sports betting is like beer. You don't have to partake in sports betting, but the game is a little bit more enjoyable when you do. Very true. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the part you left out there um, was the leads. Because um, from my perspective, uh, and I'll get into that, uh, that has been one of the biggest kind of reversals and it's it's not it's not surprising right i mean at, even at the time everyone knew that their the league's um, you know interpretation about sports betting had nothing to do with the integrity of the game and everything to do with making sure that they were going to get their cut because you know and, and to their point look it's it's their product right that they're putting out there so uh you know they don't want to see other people profiting from their product that they put on uh without them uh you know getting to uh, to wet their beak a little bit too um, so just to give a little background about myself, um, I'm, I'm from Chicago originally as well, went to University of Arizona. That's where uh, I met uh, Mr. Burgandy. Uh, and about six months after graduating from college, uh, I was living at home and I decided that I wanted to try and pursue this dream of, of working in sports betting. This was in 2012. Uh, and so I packed up my car, uh, knowing not a soul in Las Vegas. Drove out to the desert uh, where I had a part-time job waiting for me at a company called Cantor Gaming. Uh, Cantor Gaming uh, is a subsidiary of one of the largest financial firms in the world. Uh, but at the time, it, they had this little outfit in Vegas that was uh, trying to revolutionize uh, the sports betting world. Again, at that time, sports betting only legal in Nevada. And uh, before Cantor Gaming, every bet had to be made in person uh, with a ticket writer uh, and you would, you know, get that that physical piece of paper and, and walk out with it. But uh, Cantor Gaming was trying to push the envelope. Uh, the the were basically uh, think of it like a fancy Seven Eleven uh, for sports betting, where uh, they would just they would run just the sports book at Venetian, Cosmopolitan, the Hard Rock, a couple other casinos. Uh, and so, uh, what really interested me about that company was that all they did was focus on sports betting. Uh, it wasn't like MGM or Caesars where Sports betting was just one little tiny piece of a, of a huge, you know, worldwide conglomerate that, you know, made most of their money on slots, table games, hotel room shows. Um, all Cantor Gaming did was just focus on sports betting. Uh, and so, obviously, I had a passion for it, uh, and I was able to quickly work my way up from a part-time marketing assistant to a risk manager, uh, which was extremely exciting because I was sitting in the room you know, a dozen monitors and TV screens, uh, bets were coming in, moving the lines, uh, you know, taking pregame bets, halftime bets, in-game bets. Um, and, you know, I, I felt super lucky because I was, I was getting paid uh, to basically watch sports and, and, and follow along uh, uh, sports betting. 
Um, and, you know, like I said, in, from 2012 to 2015, uh, the view of, of, of what the world of sports betting was, like Luke said, was just, you know, guys in back rooms chomping on cigars uh, and the couldn't be further from the truth in terms of the, the sophistication um, and the intellect it took. And, you know, the, you know, these were all, you know, smart guys and, you know, very, very experienced. Um, but it was not, you know, mob run. Um, it was not, you know, taking, you know, doing, you know, shady stuff. Uh, and so it was a, it was a fantastic learning, learning experience. Um, you know, unlike Luke, I was making far less money than he was. So it was not that hard of a, uh, of a thing to quit that job. Uh, as much as I loved it, um, you know, it was not, it was not exactly breaking the bank. So, uh, when this opportunity, uh, presented itself, um, it seemed like, you know, a very low risk thing because I wasn't exactly giving up a, a, a high paying job. And like, like Luke said, at that time, we didn't know that sports betting was going to get legalized. Right. So, um, at that time, the, the, the attainable market in Nevada for how much money you could possibly make was very small, right? If, if sports betting only stayed legal in Nevada, and that was the, the, the case today, there just wasn't going to be that much money to go around. So um, I, th I thought it was a, it was a viable uh, opportunity. And then in, uh, in 2018, we, uh, we kind of struck gold, hey? Certainly uh, on its way. We, you know, I think I never, I, I knew that once sports betting got legalized, a lot of states would legalize it. I guess I've been, I've been surprised at the velocity and how quickly these states have done it. And obviously no one could have predicted the pandemic. And, you know, now states are looking at it as a revenue generator. And, um, you know, a lot of states kind of got, got hurt by the pandemic. And obviously the national the federal government tried to bail them out, but, that's another topic for another day. But the point is that these states have moved at a much quicker pace than I thought in terms of legalizing it. Like going from legalization to launch has been mostly quicker. Some states are certainly moving slower. But I would say the general um, majority of states, I have been very surprised and, and happy with A, to legalize it, and then B, to actually launch it has been, has been cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, I think everyone's still learning. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a learning experience for everyone from the, the customers to the books, to the regulators. Uh, you know, I used to say we were still in the first inning. I think we're probably now in the second inning, but yeah. still in the, in the very early stages. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be just very exciting to see, uh, how this thing, you know, how, how this thing grows and, and how big it can get. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, as the legalization of sports betting has proliferated, uh, that has increased prop swaps market size. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, uh, every ticket that gets sold on prop swap has to originate from a legal sports book. So when we started this business, we were only selling Nevada tickets. But now that we're up to, as Luke said, you know, 20 something, maybe 30 states with legalized sports betting, that just has increased the amount of possible bets uh, that can be uh, put for sale on, on the marketplace. So we've gone from just Nevada tickets to now Jersey, Pennsylvania, um, you know, Colorado, you, you name it, uh, and, and, and it keeps keeps on growing. So um, you know, on this podcast, uh, we will talk about you know, bets that have sold, bets that got listed for sale. We'll bring out some guests, uh, and a lot, lot you know, of guests. At the end, Sorry, a lot of guests. You, a lot of guests. Yeah. 
you know, through the years, Luke and I have been lucky enough to, to meet a lot of smart, uh, talented individuals. Uh, and so uh, we look forward to bringing on uh, some of our friends in the industry and, and uh, kind of picking their brain about all these things because every week there's a new story, uh, whether it's about state, states legalizing, um, news with sports books, uh, you know, what, what, what have you. It's, it's the sports betting content space is, is, uh, is growing by leaps and bounds. So um, it won't just be the two of us just yapping uh, every podcast. Uh, we, we hope to bring out some people that are smarter, smarter than us uh, and, uh, and learn something from those uh, conversations. Um, so definitely uh, make sure you subscribe and, and stick around for that because um, we, we look forward to bringing on uh, those, those, those people. Um, so before we, you know, kind of get into look forward, uh, at this football season that, uh, I think, I think I speak for Luke when I say this, this season could not have come soon enough. Uh, we are finally coming out of the dog days of summer. Um, so before we kind of get into football season, uh, I thought we could maybe talk about one interesting ticket, um, that, uh, that came in the marketplace recently. Uh, feel free to, you know, talk about other interesting tickets in, in recent memory, but, uh, we made some news. Uh, this past week, uh, where we have a customer who had a 14 parlay, uh, the first two legs won, um, and all that's left is the Atlanta Braves to win the NL East, uh, which they are currently in, in second place, a couple games behind the Mets, uh, and the Bengals to win the AFC North. And this customer bet $100 to win 91000 Again, the first two legs are in, and he's got those two legs remaining. Uh, so, Luke, why don't you tell us about your interactions with the customer and, and where we stand with this ticket? Yeah. Um, so, North Carolina ticket. It's from uh, the state of North Carolina. Um, you know, first two legs were, and this the, the first leg was kind of an easy one. This was um, late into the uh, conference finals. Um, time and it was uh warriors to beat the celtics just an exacta so you know pick team to beat other team uh it was odds of plus 250 so that of course did happen warriors beat the boston celtics who uh boston celtics were 101 even 150 to one uh at one point during the season and we can, we have plenty of stories to talk about uh this um basketball season last year with the boston celtics crazy crazy prop swap story um for that boston team and then Cam Smith. Cam Smith is the biggest dog on this ticket. This was 18 to 1. He got Cam Smith to win the open that. That, of course, cashed. But really, like outside of the Cam Smith pick, everything else is low single digits. Like this is not that crazy of a parlay. The, it's 18 to 1 Cam Smith. Braves to win the NL East at plus 330. Warriors over Celtics plus 250. And then Bengals to win the division plus 220. Like that is a very run-of-the-mill parlay, but the Cam Smith odds just skyrocketed the payout. And so uh, this customer actually came to us uh, about a month or so ago uh, looking to sell. At that time, the Mets had a, a very sizable lead in, in the NL East. Um, and so he came to us looking to sell, and we gave him a, a suggested price, uh, which, by the way, uh, you can always bring your ticket to PropSwap. Uh, download the app or, or go to the website, uh, enter in your ticket information, and we will give you our suggested price. Now, you're always able to list the ticket for whatever price you like, um, but you know we will always give you uh, what we would suggest to, to list it for, essentially what, what the market value uh, of that ticket is. And so given the fact that the Mets had about a, a five or six game lead at that time, 
uh, and were in uh, sizable control of the division, um, this customer did not like that suggested price. It was it was too low for him. Which again, as we say, you can always list the ticket, you know, even for a higher price than than what the market may bear. Uh, there is no listing fee, um, but. He came to us, we gave him our suggested market value price, and he basically said, no, I'm good. Um, I, I think the Braves are going to start to make a comeback. Uh, well, he was right because uh, the Braves uh, started to win some games. The Mets are kind of doing their usual Mets thing and, uh, and, and uh, losing games, you know, uh, as we head down the home stretch. And now all of a sudden, the, the, the Braves start creeping up on the Mets and the value starts ticking up. And uh, he just finally decided last week, uh, okay, I'm, I'm ready to list it for sale. So uh, w- what did this seller uh, decide to list the ticket at? So um, we posted it originally for $10,000. Um, and market value is around 11000 So that was a very, very fair price. Um, now, uh, David Purdom of ESPN picked it up. Um, and it kind of went viral. And... This happens all the time. Like when these tickets go viral, all of a sudden the seller will, you know, exponentially raise the price, double, even triple the price because they think that, you know, these tickets are just uh, extremely much more valuable than they were before because it's now viral and it's part of a nationwide story. Um, I would say contrary to that, that the person who is buying this is just making a sports bet. They're not buying this because it's part of a story. Um, you know, the only time I can maybe see that is like when colleges kind of come into play, but even so, like we've been doing this for seven years, very few times have, have a buyer on prop swap purchased a ticket because it's a collectible or like it's a memorabilia, a piece of fandom. Like these, this person's making a sports bet. The buyer is just making a sports bet. So, um, the person, whoever would be interested in buying this ticket is just making a Bengals to win the division and a Braves to win the division parlay. It's that simple. And if they can get a good price on it, they'll buy it. If they can't, they won't. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can bring the seller's uh, expected price down to a reasonable price. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, the Braves are three games back, and uh, we all know the Deshaun Watson situation. Uh, I doubt <laughs> the Browns will be winning the AFC North. So you got... I, I I go on a lot of interviews around the country and um, a certain uh, Chicago radio jock named Mike North uh, is an absolute legend in the city of Chicago is a huge Mitch Trubisky guy. Huge. <laughs> what, what's that? Trubisky truther. Yeah. Trubisky truther is, is Mike North. And we had a, a healthy debate on, on the gambling show on ESPN Chicago last Friday about it. And look like, First of all, Trubisky's no joke. I, he certainly was not, you know, a Hall of Fame answer in Chicago, but he's not a scrub. I mean, you talk to anyone, we, we advertise in Cleveland a lot, and Trubisky's a big Cleveland guy. Like, people from Cleveland literally think Mitch Trubisky is one of the best football players in history. Like, they are so in love with this guy, and I get it. Like, he's a really good athlete. He can make plays with his feet, and he's not a scrub. By no means is he a scrub quarterback. Then you add you know, Deontay Johnson into the mix, like this team. And of course, Najee Harris, like they're no joke. So let's not just be like, Oh, if the Browns can't win because Deshaun Watson's out, it's a lock that, you know, if Lamar, you know, if Lamar Jackson gets hurt or whatever, that the Ravens can't win. Like, that's not true. Like the Steelers will make some noise in this division. So 
you have some formidable opponents in Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Um, obviously, you know, uh, since he went to the Super Bowl last year, but, um, you know, I, I'm fading the, the Bengals a little bit. They'll be good. They'll be good this year, but, um, I'm, I'm fading them a little bit. I, I did not see a Super Bowl repeat, um, in the Bengals favor next year. So point is that this is just a sports bet. The buyer is just trying to make a bet on the Bengals parlayed with the Braves. Braves are three games back and, you know, make what you will of the AFC North. Um, hopefully we can get this thing sold. And again, like we, t- I talk about this in every interview I do around the country. We talk about this in our commercials, like just because you sell your ticket, doesn't mean you have to get off this position. Sell your ticket for $10,000, take 3K of it, and go make another 10 to 1 parlay. So now you've got seven grand in your pocket. Go make another 3K parlay on the Braves and the Bengals. And now you win another 30, another 30 grand if it hits. Like, that's what a great position to be in. Pull seven off the table and then have another 30 to go like that, that solution that, you know, we've proposed to a lot of gamblers around America. It is just, it's so obviously to me, at least the best outcome in this is that, you know, you're still, and by the way, books, not paying, you know, books are the, the North Carolina book where this ticket came from is not paying this thing until January, right? Like you're, you're getting paid right now in August, for a sports bet that's not going to get paid until January. And it's, you know, like I just said, Braves are three games back, and you got a really talented AFC North. So hopefully the uh, the seller will, um, you know, be be reasonable. That's all we're asking. We're not asking for, um, you know, a 30% discount below market. I think if if he posted it at exact market value or maybe 500 bucks below market value, we get this thing moved. Yeah. Um no, uh, you talking about sellers, um, you know, valuing their tickets at, uh, at way more than they're worth uh, reminds me of the story. And, and we don't have to get into it now. But uh, several years ago, there was uh, one of the when Syracuse went on, a, on an epic final four run. Uh, we had a customer who had the had the orange men at 500 to one uh, before the tournament. It was a ticket to win like fifty thousand uh, dollars. And uh, we had several meetings with him, including uh, at a. Chinese buffet uh, off the Las Vegas Strip, um, where uh, he was proposing to us that we should find a Syracuse alum to buy the ticket for $100,000. Now, mind you, if the ticket won, it was going to collect $50,000, but he said that this was such a uh, value piece of memorabilia that uh, Jim Beheim himself uh, should have paid uh, $100,000 for the ticket. And uh, in a very polite way, we said, you know, I cannot stress this enough. If someone buys this ticket and it wins, they are going to go redeem it at the casino for $50,000. That is the max value of this ticket. Jim Beheim is not framing up this ticket uh, in his office uh, if, if, the, uh, if the Syracuse wins. So uh, that, that's, a, that's a, another strip another time. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's something that, that we deal with a lot. Um, I think it's something that we've, uh, we've made strides in when it comes to um, getting people, um, you know, kind of off of that uh, – that, that value that they see, you know, this is not antique roadshow. Um, but that's also why we, we have our slogan, go for two. Um, you know, next time you're, you're making sports bets, whether it be futures, props, whatever, um, there's literally no downside uh, into making two, three, four uh, different bets on, on the same team, right? If you were going to bet uh, $100 uh, 
uh, on a future or parlay, uh, split that into four $25 tickets. Uh, I make the analogy, it's, it's like buying shares of a stock. So instead of one, having one share, you've got four different shares uh, of the same stock. Uh, and that way you can keep selling them as the season goes on, uh, as it goes up in value, if it goes down in value. Uh, but then you always have uh, the option to you know keep one or two and, uh, and let it ride. So then you, you get the best of both worlds. Um, you, you get to lock in your profit, but also uh, go for the win. And, and you can kind of brag to your friends that, hey, I, I called this and I, I stuck with it. So, um, you know, that, that's definitely one of our, our, our strategies that you'll probably hear us uh, continually harp on is, is go for two. Um, speaking of uh, best of both worlds, uh, I think it's time now for uh, our weekly segment uh, called uh, Steak or Swap. Each week, uh, we'll be talking about two different teams, players, any sort of uh, futures, prop bets, uh, what we will say, we will uh, bring up, and uh, it'll be up to Luke and I. We each have our own picks, uh, and it'll be either do we want to stake them, which means you would bet them at the current odds, or would you swap them, which basically means uh, you would sell them at, at today's current odds. Uh, so um, the first one we are going to talk about is the Utah Utes to win the college football championship, uh, college full slate of college football coming up this Saturday. So uh, not better time to, to uh, start digging into college football. Uh, and so first one up Utah to win the college football championship. Luke, are you staking Utah or swapping Utah? I am staking Utah. Um, I am probably showing my PAC 12 colors right now, but uh, I have a lot of logic for why I like the Utah Utes to improve. Again, this segment is based on which team or player or prop is going to improve, and then you can flip it down the line for a profit. So right now, Utah Utes, 80 to 1 odds to win the college football playoff. Uh, big game this weekend. Got to go into Gainesville. Two and a half point favorite. Uh, against the newly uh, Ragin' Cajun former head coach, Billy Napier, is now the head coach of Florida. Uh, it is his first game as a the head coach of the Florida Gators, so a lot of pressure on him. Um, of course, the Utah uh, Utes were, gosh, incredible season last year. So 8-1 and in conference, They and we'll get into their, their helmets that they're wearing in a second. But uh, beat Oregon thirty-eight to seven in the regular season. Oregon was ranked number three at the time. They beat them thirty-eight to seven. They do it again in the Pac-12 championship. They whoop Oregon again in Las Vegas, by the way, and then barely lose to an amazing Ohio State football team by three points in the Rose Bowl. So uh, the final score was forty-eight forty-five. In that Rose Bowl game. So really good Utah football team. Uh, longest, ten, second longest tenured coach in college football is Kyle Winningham. Tied with Mike Gundy. Uh, number one most tenured coach is Kirk Ferentz. Why that guy is making $7 million in Iowa, I just, I do not understand it. Like, they, good, good what, agent. What's that? Good agent. Yeah, good agent. Like, how far does seven million dollars in Iowa City go? Like they were ranked, two, they were ranked two in the country last year to get waxed by Purdue at home, and then the next week they lose to Wisconsin by twenty. 
after being the second best team in the country. Purdue blows them out. Wisconsin beats them the next week. And then in the Big 12, um, excuse me, the Big 10 championship, they lose 42 to 3. So this guy, the longest tenured coach, is a joke, and he's making $7 million. So my point is, Kyle Winningham really should be the longest tenured coach in the country. Um, him and Mike Gundy are tied. So um, that's my pick. Uh, I realize really tough game this week going into Gainesville. I think it helps that you got a, a first-time head coach. Like, I'm not really sold on the Ragin' Cajuns. Like, I don't really – they are they haven't re- been that relevant, so – I'll fade Napier a little bit. Um, But even so, I will add this caveat. Even if they drop this game in Florida, I would back them again next week at, you know, they'll probably be 150 to one, maybe even 200 to one. Again, not necessarily saying this team's going to beat Alabama or beat Georgia and the, uh, you know, national championship or even the playoff. But I think they will run through the Pac 12 handedly and you'll be able to sell this thing in November for five, six, seven X, what you paid for it today. Those are all fair points. Uh, and uh, Whittingham's a great coach. Uh, they always have a solid defense and, uh, and a style of play that, that, you know, other PAC 12 teams aren't used to and, and uh, super tough place to play. Uh, however, I'm going to swap Utah. Um, you know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on the bandwagon, the hype train, but uh, I am, I am all on USC this year. Uh, and so the, the play USC smack dab in the, in the middle of the season, um, it's going to be, um, it's going to be, uh, in Utah, but still it's going to be in the middle of the season. Um, and, uh, and so I, I have faith in Lincoln Riley, uh, and all the recruits that, that they brought in that I think they can win that game. And then if, even if they do win that game, they, they still go at Oregon second to last game of the season. Um, and unfortunately, you know, also a PAC 12 guy, um, but in order for a Pac-12 team to, to make the Final Four, which has been super difficult uh, the, these last couple of years, the, the Pac-12 has had horrendous, um, you know, um, showing up in, in the Final Four. They just don't have the strength of schedule. So a team like Utah really has to run the table, uh, and not only run the table, but like put out some really good performances against USC and Oregon. Uh, to, I think to 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 make the Final Four, and then obviously they still got to win you know, the, the conference championship. And a lot of, a lot of times the PAC 12, uh, you know, these teams kind of beat up on each other, right? They'll have a super great win, but then, and then lose a, a game that they were supposed to win. You know, they would have a great season, but then go to the PAC 12 championship at Vegas and then, and then lose that. So, um, you know, while I think they can string some, some wins together early in the season and maybe at 80 to one, uh, that's a good kind of buy low right now. Um, I'm, I'm going to swap Utah in terms of, uh, their, their chances of, of making it to the final four. But, you know, but if you get in the final four, anything can happen. But uh, I just, I just, you know, it, it pains me to say, but I think the, the PAC 12 um, is just, just to not bring the type of level competition like the SEC or big 10 does where you can have a one loss or two loss team and, and, and still make the, the final four. Um, so the, the next, the next team we're going to talk about uh, is. I got one, one more point to add, and this is somewhat satirical, but also real life. So, you know, of course, last year, Utah's uh, lost two teammates, Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe, uh, who died within like one year of each other. And they are um, wearing this like upcoming season, these special hand-painted helmets. I'm usually uh, opposed 
to like special uniforms and special helmets. But in this situation, we're going with the special graffiti painted helmets. And that's why they're going to win the national championship, or at least improve. I don't want to, I don't care about any other logic. It's all about the helmets. Is that all season or, or, or for one game? That's, I, I think it's some hand picked games. I think it's some hand picked okay. games. So I am, I am all for helmet games. <laughs> I am all for, uh, you know, uh, when the mascot dies, uh, you know, playing that game. So you tell me when they're wearing those helmets, and I will bet I will bet the house on Utah that week. Right. Um, but you cannot get up for every game. You can only get up for a certain number of games. Uh, and so uh, send me a reminder when when they're going to play in those helmets, and I will I will back Utah on those games with you. That's 100%. fair. I'm all for those those types of uh, whiteout, blackout, painted helmet. I am all I am all for that. Give, give me all of that. Yes. Um, Okay, great point. Glad, glad you added that. Um, and so uh, the second team uh, that we're going to talk about, or I guess I should say player, again, uh, stake or swap, we, we can talk about anything from any sport. Um, I'm going to stake Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman Trophy at 100 to 1 odds. Stetson Bennett, he is 26, sorry, uh, 24 years old. Okay, so this guy, he's a man amongst boys, right? He's, he is transferred, he is redshirted. He is 24 years old. Uh, he, he's the starting quarterback uh, for for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, will he have to step up his numbers from from his previous season? Yes, he will definitely. But this is a guy who made steady improvements all throughout last year, including the championship game, which they won, where he completed 65% of his passes, two touchdowns, and no interceptions against Alabama, which, as we all know, you know, one of the best defenses every year, right? So he, he stepped up in the championship game, uh, won it for Georgia. The last 20 Heisman winners have all been – sorry, last 17 of the last 20 Heisman winners have been quarterbacks, right? So I think it's fair to say uh, you, can, you, can, you can safely assume that it's going to be a quarterback each year. There are obviously some, some outliers, but 17 of the last 20 Heismans have been quarterbacks. And obviously when it comes to awarding the Heisman, wins matter. And right now, Georgia is essentially the third best team in the country when it comes to odds. It's Alabama, Ohio State, and then Georgia. We know Georgia is going to rack up some wins, especially given the fact that they play in the SEC East, which has a much better schedule. Georgia does not play Alabama, Texas A&M, or Ole Miss. They they avoid those three teams off off their schedule, right? So they've got a very easy schedule. They're going to rack up a lot of wins. uh, And Georgia lost a lot of starters on defense in the draft, right? They had the number one pick in the draft. Uh, they lost a whole host of, of, of all SEC um, uh, defensive talent in the draft. So, in my opinion, they're going to have to rely a lot more on their offense this year than they have normally, right? You know, normally, they can win a game 14 to 10, you know, put on the backs of the defense. But this year, they're going to have to throw the ball and, and score a lot more, uh, given the fact that they've lost so much defensive talent. Uh, including Bennett, they returned seven starters on offense, including their leading receiver from from last year, Brock Bowers. So between the fact they have have an easy schedule, they're going to have to throw the ball more, they're going to get the wins, the Heisman's probably going to be quarterback. Look, I'm not not guaranteeing Stetson is going to win it, but at 101, I think this guy could steadily move up the odds boards, and you could see this guy – you know, in a couple of weeks being 20 to one, 15 to one. Uh, and that's a, that's a nice, you know, eight X on your return uh, in just a couple of games. So uh, I'm staking Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman hundred to one. 
Great point about the schedule. Um, not having to play Alabama in the regular season is uh, very advantageous. Super fair point. Uh, and I also agree with you on the quarterbacks. Like I, I want to put my money on quarterbacks to win this award. Um, but I would say these top three guys, C.J. Stroud, who, of course, is the Ohio State quarterback, California kid, Rancho Cucamonga, high school, Bryce Young, Matter Day, Alabama's quarterback, of course, and then Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback, at six to one. So Shroud at two to one, Bryce Young four to one, Caleb Williams six to one. Like I just I can't put my money on a guy not you know one of those top three guys. Like I just think those three teams are going to be so good this year. I'm not sure. I'm not sold on USC this year, uh, but obviously Alabama and, and Ohio State. I just think those three guys are just so talented. Like of course Bryce Young won last year so it's his to to defend um so i i gotta stick with one of those three power quarterbacks um that uh, i think will take it home so i will be uh swapping stetson bennett to win the heisman and then the most scientific evidence of all is that i was fortunate enough to be at the game last year the national championship in indianapolis and a very 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 intoxicated georgia fan said that they had no faith in Stetson Bennett the entire season, and they were so happy to win this with him under center. They were just stunned that this happened. So uh, trust intoxicated fans in the state of Indiana in January. We don't need any other evidence besides that. Yeah, well, how, how did that prediction Yeah, how did that prediction turn out for, uh, for him? Uh, not, not great. I, I will say if, if there's a knock on Bennett versus those other quarterbacks you mentioned, those guys run. And, uh, you know, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, they can rack up that total touchdowns number by, by scoring a, a bunch of touchdowns uh, with their feet, you know, inside the, the 10, 20-yard line. Um, Stetson is not a runner, so he's going to be at a little bit of a, of a disadvantage uh, when, when it comes to that. But, again, uh, I think there's a way to manipulate this where Georgia's going to light up some teams early in the season, and this guy could throw for five, six touchdowns a game, uh, you know, with his arm. And, again – um, I'm not, I'm not saying you need to stick through this, you know, through, through December. Uh, but he's definitely a guy I would, I would circle. Look, starting quarterback on the third best team in the country. He's going to rack up numbers. Uh, I think hundred to one has a ton of value. So, uh, your points are well taken as well as the uh, drunk Georgia fan, uh, his point is well taken. Uh, but I'm, I'm staking Stetson Bennett. So there you have it. Those are our two, uh, stake or swap picks. Uh, let us know if, uh, if if you have any suggestions on on who who we should talk about. Maybe uh, one day we'll uh, we'll do a little mailbag. Um, but we thank you uh, for joining us on this first episode, or uh, as we should say, maybe a first episode off of a short break uh, on the Prop Swap podcast. Um, make sure to subscribe and uh, and leave a rating, and we will talk to you next week.